This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be legends. You're not a real player until you get punched in the fucking face. What's the deal? How'd you do it in such a short period of time? And where do you get the energy? And Gary, if you can tell the audience here, you know, what, what, what motivates you every single day? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I, I think to answer the first part, my big thesis in building the businesses that I've built, which is predicated on the following structure. Do I believe that I know what the consumer is gonna be doing in three or four years that most people around me do not believe? Am I able to build a business that can stay alive for the next four to five years so that when the market comes to me, I'll be the biggest leader. I, I spent more money building winelibrary.com in 1996 than my family business had in profit the year before. And if I was wrong, that I couldn't grow sales by you walking in the store and selling you an extra case of wine, then I would have lost. But my thesis of building businesses, it, it's, it's no different than really buying property. Like, you have to see where the market's going. Somebody one day said, fuck it, Dumbo's gonna be big eventually. I'm gonna pour these dollars in and I'll monetize in the long term. The reason I launched an e-commerce wine business in 1996, the reason I was an early investor in Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr and Uber and things of that nature is I believed in my intuition to what was gonna happen, different than the market, and VaynerMedia has gone from zero to $150 million in revenue because I was selling social media to the biggest brands in the world where the NFL and Pepsi and the biggest brands in the world wouldn't pay me more than $5,000 a month to make pictures or write words on Twitter in 2009 because they didn't think it was real. That same behavior now, there's clients that pay millions of dollars a month for that same exact behavior. It's easy to sit here and now and talk about social media as its importance because we're living it. In 2007, 2008, people didn't believe that anybody gave a fuck if you were walking your dog or why you would take a picture of what you're eating or that we would be all taking pictures of our faces with duck lips, right? So, so that's, that's, that's how I, so that's, that's how I build things and that's what I'll always do. I believe that audio is gonna matter, you know, podcasting, Alexa skills, so I'll invest in that until you use it every morning in four years and the, the, um, the way I did it or where do I get the energy? I was born in the Soviet Union, I came here with nothing. I lived in a studio apartment the size of this stage with eight family members in Queens. Uh, I was four foot 11 my sophomore year of high school. You know, I've, I figured out how to have a chip on my shoulder. I think anybody in this room that isn't born with much and isn't supposed to win uh, has a disproportionate advantage uh, because you're hungry and nobody's giving you shit, which means you go figure out how to take it. Thank you, Gary. All three of you guys were early adopters of the web and of online social media. What made you guys foresee that that would be the future of our industry today in terms of marketing, branding, becoming an entrepreneur, even utilizing Instagram or even on social media for free where you know there's a lot of paid ads there. What made you guys foresee that that's the future? You know, be, I had a huge advantage, which was that being in the web business in, in 96, being in the web business in 96, 
I had an email newsletter that had 91% open rates because nobody else was emailing. And so I tasted the fruits of, I bought all the wine keywords for five cents a click the day Google AdWords started or within that first month. So I felt, you know, my, my dad's liquor store in Springfield, New Jersey was doing three million, almost four million dollars a year on 10% gross profit. You know, they, we, we had no money. And so my marketing budget was tens of thousands of dollars to grow a business from three to 60 million dollar business in seven years with no money and no M&A, you have to make every penny work like a dollar. And so not only was I working every minute of my life, I had to make a bunch of fundamental smart decisions. And while Sherry Lehman's and Zaki's were buying full page ads in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and sending catalogs, I was emailing people, getting product to people quicker. So I was feeling the fruits of technology. YouTube came along. Uh, I looked at it, it was like four or five months old. I'm like, intuitively, I'm like, this is gonna be big. I sat down, started filming me tasting wine, started feeling the effects of people watching it and buy wine, and it cost me nothing. So this was the first time I was feeling branding, not just you know advertising. And then right at the effects of that, Twitter comes out. I'm now feeling sad that my open rates are down to 50% on their way to 30%, you know, as the market is today. And I was like, maybe, wait a minute, people follow people and then you say something and they all see it and they can pass it on to their friends. I don't know, right, you know, word of mouth, the thing that all of us trade on. Uh, It just intuitively felt really obvious to me. And then once I was on Twitter, I was one of the top 100 people followed, I invested, it changed the course of my career. And now to this point. How many followers do you have, Derek? I I have two million plus on Instagram, million five plus across all the other platforms. But the more important thing is, at this point, the bigger question, back to risk taking, as you guys were talking, you were framing that up. To me, it's actually crazy not to take risk. To me, most people don't take risk because they care about what other people think about their losses. To me, people don't take risk because they want to buy a watch or a car instead of pouring those dollars into giving them the room to take risk. I think everything is practical that most people don't think is practical. So for me, every single person here not downloading the top new app just to taste what it's like in case it impacts your business is insane. Everybody's in the no business. No, I'm not gonna download that new thing. No, I don't need a Snapchat account. Instagram followed all those features. I don't need a Snapchat. Meanwhile, because of that, all the action and opportunity is in Snapchat because it's all supply and demand of attention. So for me, it's, I'm not quite sure why or how or what. More importantly, to bring value here instead of giving you my fucking narrative, my bigger thing is for you to leave with value, why are you saying no? Why are you so fucking fancy? The amount of people that make decisions based on themselves, it doesn't matter what you think, it matters what your customer thinks. And so if people care about shit, like like we all like and don't like a ton of stuff, but all of us have decided to put this conversation of where new tech, we are absolutely scared of new technology because we don't like to change, it's fine, it's how humans roll, but the thought to make business decisions predicated on your fucking opinion about it is called bad business. The end. Thank you. on social media that you guys see are just, you know, what are those cardinal sins that you just shake your head every time you see? 
for me, there's only really one golden rule on this issue, which is you can do a lot of things because back to the rant I just had, there's a lot of ways to do this. I think the thing that people don't understand is there is an ungodly amount of content being put out. So just giving yourself any thought process of what's in it for the other person, and by the way, that may be entertainment. Maybe you really do know a lot about coffee and you reviewing this coffee may bring value. Like, there's a stunning me, 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 me. It's fun to hear this story in 2009 where I took the shoe off. It's, I'm glad the part that you also remember is, even back then, nine years ago, people still haven't learned, everything was right hook, right hook, right hook, right hook. Nobody was jabbing, nobody was setting it up. For me, the real estate open space has always been the same and I'm stunned that nobody's taking it, which is you need to become the local newspaper of the area that you sell homes in. If you're reviewing and interviewing the principal, if you're reviewing all the subs in the sub shop that has been there for 30 years, if you're the person that talks about the best items in the bodega or the park, if you become, to me, every single person I see here has the ability to become the media, comma, you sell homes. Not everybody here is blessed with charisma and storytelling capabilities, right? Not everybody, but everybody can put in the work to bring value to the person on the other side of the camera. How do you guys continually build brand loyalty, which is very difficult for folks in the audience because once you're there, how do you stay there, how do you maintain it, how do you build that engagement and that loyalty? By delivering. Look, I, I'm so blessed intuitively with marketing. I've always understood what people were gonna do. I think I'm a great marketer. If your product is shit, the greatest marketing in the world is just gonna expose that. So the way you build an actual brand is by delivering on the steak, not focusing on the sizzle. By doing what you do well. And I think way too many times people think there's some path or some clever trick to branding. Branding is the marathon that you talked about. Long game versus short game. You know, and I think that at the end of the day, there's no hack, there's no platform that uh, closes the gap on actually the execution of the craft. You can be super clever, you can review every restaurant. If you don't know how to do your job, you will lose. I'd like to ask you a question. You, You compared writing a handwritten note to somebody versus posting a comment to the masses about your gratitude towards that same client, Client, I think those are two totally different contexts. I, I agree, I'm saying their reaction. Because they don't, because. If I bold, the one that'll get them to pick up the phone sure, is the note. But I would argue, as somebody who sends direct messages to people, I think, and, I, and I, the lady clapped and I was watching and I was kind of watching how she was interacting with her friend. I'm fascinated, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I'm actually asking the question for the, the whole group. I'm fascinated that we put a romance on the tools that deliver gratitude versus the action of gratitude, right? If you go back, you know, there's a whole lot of conversation of like, don't do it in social, write a handwritten note. You can go back and see people talk about the telephone as a negative to handwritten, like this goes on and on and on and on. I'm fascinated, I've been spending a lot of time looking at big data around 
actually having gratitude versus the tool, like where does this end? Because you know, is it going face to face and shaking hand? Do we communicate through? I know that I'm sending gratitude at 11 o'clock at night on a flight in a direct message. If I posted, thanks for all the fans, love you super much, versus sending a message saying, hey Rick, really appreciate on that last comment when I made that point, you looked at your guy and said, yeah, he's right, it's actually doing the action, not the marketing. I'm fascinated by the debate of mediums versus the intent of the energy. Yeah, and, and, and I will add a caveat to my comment. I think, and I said the, the Henry note specifically for a young person, because I think that there are patterns that people expect, and I think in a world where there's so many comments around millennials being lazy, entitled, narcissistic, you only care about yourself, you only care about your smartphone, for, for somebody young to pick up. Now, now the action, if I were 45 or 50, they may say, oh, no, 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 cool. To, to, that, like, to no, that point, I th- breaking patterns. by the way, breaking patterns, I think culture, what I would call culture hacking as terminology, you're absolutely right, because when an 84-year-old great-grandmother sends a snap with a filter on her face, you're like, oh, fucking grandma. <laughs> so you're right, breaking patterns is a huge hey, deal. So you're like an 80-year-old trapped in a millennial body because it's a pattern. Alright, alright, I like this. What, you know, who is your role model and why and have they made a difference in your success today? For, you know, it's interesting hearing you say that. For me, only my parents have a seat at the table. Um, just, it's, especially on the work ethic part, like, they, you know, my mom raised three kids, no help, even one day of her life and just like, we're work, we call ourselves work dogs in Russian. Me, my dad, and my mom, we were born in the old country. I mean, I didn't even see my dad until I was 15 because he worked, he left before I woke up and came home after sleep. But it's interesting. Mine is actually a little bit more similar to yours. I actually think my true mentor is the game itself. I think if you, I mean, I don't, I didn't learn, you know, I learned how to be a person for my parents, the kind of man I wanted to be, politeness, work ethic, but like truly the way I think we talk about mentorship, who taught you, I would tell you that not seeking out mentorship is probably my biggest weakness. I I recognize it, I think I put the romance of me, I I always think about me in my own head. You know, uh, oh, in the real estate, Stephen Ross from Related is my business partner. We we do investing together, he owns a piece of VaynerMedia. You know, I wanna buy the New York Jets, that is my professional ambition. He owns the Miami Dolphins. I have breakfast with him the other day, we've been in business together for four years, he spends the entire breakfast yelling at me, he goes, I don't understand why you don't use me, why don't you let me mentor you, I've done the thing that you want to do, like use me, I fucking wanna do this, let's do it, use me. He's like, you haven't talked to me in four months. I'm like, look man, I'm in my own fucking head. Like, I don't know, like I don't, I, 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 the market, the game teaches me. I sit in this room, I look around, I know that the real estate market's been real good for a real long time. <laughs> I'm real curious about what everybody does when it's not good, right? It's like, good. you know? It's, right now. it's fucking good, Frederick. You know, like, like, I mean, it may not, you know, like. <laughs> I'm talking fucking 2008, I'm talking 2001, I'm talking like shit hits the fan. I think the market teaches you so much. Like there's a lot of people that are 29 years old that have never been in the business when the market has been soft. You're not a real player until you get punched in the fucking face. (laughs) Is being an entrepreneur in your DNA or is it something that you can actually learn to become? 
I think it's a DNA trait. Uh, I think anybody who's not born with as much talent in it or natural can work at it and try the tactics, but that would be like me working at basketball. I could be better at it, but my skill set, my upside is only so limited. So I think we all have upsides in everything. We could all become, everybody here can become a better singer, but you're not gonna become Beyonce. And so I think entrepreneur is, it's, you know, when you're, when you're four years, I was five years old walking, I thought it was more fun to walk around Edison, New Jersey, rip people's flowers out of their yards, ring their doorbell and sell it back to them. <laughs> that wasn't something I read in a Seth Godin book. You know, that was just like, it was there and I think we see that. I think we, you know, what's weird about entrepreneurship, I'll be honest with you, I'm gonna go a little weird here for a second. It's been so good to me, entrepreneurship. I was an 80, you know, I'm 41. I got D's and F's as an immigrant in the 80s and 90s, which meant I was a loser. Like there was no entrepreneurship in the 80s and 90s. If you were a bad student, you lost, right? There was no Harvard in my path. And so I am so thankful and grateful for the game of entrepreneurship. Right now it's cool. Now people think it's cool to be an entrepreneur. And entrepreneurship is hard. And it it, it is something that I think is more natural. And you've gotta be very self-aware with yourself and figure out are you an operator, are you a salesperson, if, you know, being an entrepreneur is a lot of pain, a lot, and it's very lonely. And lonely. It's very, right? Yes. It's like, because if you lose, you lost. Yes. Right? And so I think it's born, but I don't discourage people. I'm not like, oh, cool, I'm a natural entrepreneur. You're not, like, you're more than welcome to try to accentuate it. I believe that everybody should audit themselves, triple down on their strengths. And, and surround their weaknesses with people or other things. So I get scared to say everybody should be an entrepreneur because the number four at Facebook isn't necessarily an entrepreneur, but she made a lot more money than everybody who's tricking themselves that they're an entrepreneur. I think self-awareness is imperative in today's opportunities. Gary, I've been meaning to ask you this question. So I've been, uh, I did a little bit of research and you know, you were the first to actually come out and you offered shares in Facebook to purchase Facebook, but you actually went on a live YouTube channel. You talked about Twitter, for Facebook to be worried about Twitter. And Mark Zuckerberg actually invited you to come and speak. And lo and behold, you talked about Twitter being a disruptor because of consumer behavior. You then had an opportunity, Mark thought it was amazing to speak in front of Facebook and then he offered you his parents' shares. Later on, you invested in Twitter, then Tumblr, then Facebook, then Snapchat, and then Uber. What is the next tech company <laughs> that you're going to invest in? Just a little bit of a tip for all audience here I uh, and Steve were raised, a tw- we did a $25 million fund, we both put in 12.5, I deployed that, Snapchat was part of that back three, four, five years ago. Last year, I was in the process of raising a $150 million fund to deploy on the back of all the successes I've had, and right around this time, maybe late August of last year, I gave back the $82 million that I had already committed from others, back, I took on a lot of overhead, lost a lot of money, my biggest losing venture financially in my career because I think we have a supply and demand issue in entrepreneurship. To your point, and I mentioned it earlier, you're not a player until you get punched in the face. Everybody's an entrepreneur because it's cool 
And why not? You have an idea, people give you money, it's worth $4 million, and you get to learn as a 23-year-old for a guy. It's just, it's a no-lose game. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you that we're, and the reason I brought up is the market good, because I'm in a market too, and I think we're super inflated. It's very difficult to figure out the opportunities, and I'm actually actively not investing. I haven't invested in anything in about six or seven months, and I think there needs to be a massive correction. I'm desperate for the economy to collapse. Uh, I'm being dead serious, I'm being dead serious. I think everything is overpriced. I think there's a bunch of, I know when C and D players are winning, shit's about to get bad. And there's a whole lot, I'm sure you, I see the body language, you know a bunch of people that can't sell shit selling homes right now, which means fuck, right? And so, I have no recommendation for you. I'm, I'm, I think that things are being artificially plopped up and I think that we uh, are, we're being held together right now by bubble gum and band-aids and I am looking forward to fucking carnage. <laughs> I mean it. I really believe it. None. I really, I, I genuinely believe it. I think that if you look at the fundamentals, if you look at what's going on, it's stock exchange. Soon? Stock exchange. I, I think all look, look. The one thing that, and I think you guys all know this. The reason that's not my, that the reason I'm not running around, and some of you follow me and talk about this a lot, is because there are so many powers that don't let the natural market dynamics play out. They plop it up, cash infusion, print money, you've got so much disruption, you've got cryptocurrency, you've got so many things going on in the world. There's too many things that I don't understand that allow things to hold up, so I don't know the timing, but I know it when I see it, and it doesn't feel great for me. I have no idea how that impacts you, but I think it's, I think not, not seeing those things in the water is being naive, and I think, the one, here's what I would say, actually I'm trying to think, really bring value. It, making decisions on how you want it to be and hope it to be versus what you're actually seeing is very dangerous. And when I just talked, I watched a lot of you, especially people that have been through a cycle or two, look at each other and shake your heads with each other. That makes me feel, I hope you're actually backing up your actions against your intuition. Because why I want carnage is I'm being strategic about sitting on cash and it's gonna be a lot of fun for me to buy a company that today costs me $71 million to buy that company for $1.7 million because they've, because they've overextended themselves and when there's not cash in the system, they're dead. I'm sure that's how you make a lot of money in real estate too if you know what the fuck you're doing. I think you made some money. <laughs> I, I don't know, that's what I, I mean, look, crypto is so much bigger than people, you know, people talk about Bitcoin, but you know, once you start understanding what blockchain dynamics mean, this is gonna change the way our entire society lives over the next 20, 30 years. It's worth your four hours on a beach one day to get educated on blockchain and Ethereum and where we're going. This is how you're gonna, this is how wills are gonna be done, this is how contracts are gonna be done, this is how everything is gonna be done. So get educated. We feel that real estate is not local. It's actually international. And all three of you guys have traveled internationally. Gary, you go um, you, you go and you speak in Asia, Europe. Frederick, you have your, your own brand in Sweden, real estate division. And Paul, you know, you work with 
companies across, across overseas. How important is it to connect with those folks, knowing that you know our our audience today is it's about real estate? How important how important is it to not be local but be more international? Your actions have to map your ambition. I mean, how important it is is it? If you want to be a real player at the biggest scales in the world, 15 years from now, it makes sense to look at the world in a more macro. If you are fully deep into your career and you've got four more years to go and you want to enjoy yourself after that, probably matters to you less. I think this, to me, this is completely personal and, and honestly, whether it's the conversation of international expansion or relevancy, whether it's work-life balance, Whatever it may be, you need to reverse engineer your ambition. My biggest frustration with a lot of entrepreneurs is their actions don't meet their ambition. I have kids telling me all the time that they're gonna buy the Jets too, yet they go to every fucking Coachella and every music festival and are out with Ace at three o'clock in the morning on Snapchat. <laughs> and, and so, you know, to me that question is completely predicated. For me, I want 100% brand awareness around my thoughts around business. So I've gotta go to Asia, I've gotta go to South America, so then my actions are mapping towards that. But this is, international expansion stretches you thin, just like any expansion does. So, if you're hungry and you need to be fed, you've gotta go find other food, but I think you need to be smart about it because every time you've got, you know, it, there's a saying my parents always used in Russian that, would, that translates to, you can't have your ass on two toilets, right? And so, <laughs> Russians are funny. Um, I think of expansion that way, but if your ambition is, you can have it on three toilets. <laughs> What's your take when it comes to a lot of these millennials where they just lose the passion, right? So after they start working at a company for about three months, it's not what I love. It's, it's, it's not my passion. What's your advice to them today? I mean, look, I have no interest in doing the whole, in my day, I walked 13 miles in snow, you know. Honestly, no matter what you say or I say or somebody fancy says, the market is gonna speak directly to them. The market is going to be the one that has the final say. And so, your actions are your actions are your actions. Everybody's got the word entrepreneur in their Instagram profile. That's awesome. That's like me saying I'm a a football player in my Instagram profile, right? play football in Central Park, but nobody's paying me to do it. There's a big difference between being an entrepreneur and being a successful entrepreneur, but I, I have zero energy to being the duh, 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 duh. do you, do your thing, figure it out, like it is what it is. The post game will speak for all of us. The question's for Gary. So, you know, regardless of industry, you know, uh, you have to uh, understand opportunity in order to be success. And like, turn to the left and arm, like, the lend itself to like, asking one question. So, the question I have for you is, can I give you my phone number so you can meet so I can ask you a phone Yes. What's that? I can just tell you what I'm writing down. Eric, uh, yeah, hold on. I'll be ready. Here we go. Hold on. Don't ask me that. You don't ask, you'll get. Do this. I'm gonna, this is my assistant. One more question from Lewis. 
okay, Gary, first of all, I came all the way down from Mexico to say thank you, because thanks to all your videos, your craziness, and your drive, you motivate us and my family company to become from a 30-something million to this year, hopefully, 220 plus million. You educate us, educate us, like to we just only up and just go. So our next project is completely based to education because Mexico lacks education and all the South American culture. So I want to know if you can give us an interview to all the Mexican and South American guys. Yes. <laughs> You can come. Yeah, you can come here in a second. I'll give you my information. Let me let me just use this little three minutes to maybe help a lot of people because I, I I'm sure a lot of you don't know who I am. Basically, what you've just watched for the last four minutes, and more importantly, the fact that I keep saying yes, is my biggest thesis when it comes to business, which is a lot of people that have the knowledge that I have are selling bullshit programs want to charge people $50,000 to spend an hour with them. You know, planting a lot of seeds, saying yes, even when in the moment the ROI of that time doesn't seem positive. Karma is the most practical strategy in business. And, and I've spent the last, and I think I've got it, and I know where I'm going, and I leave an un a real amount of money every day of my life to spend one to three hours to create content so that it's free so that people can take it and do something with it. I don't monetize it in the short term, but as some of you can see, legacy is always greater than currency. Yes. <laughs> You got it so much. How you doing, Gary? Good, man. <laughs> uh, you mentioned about market conditions that uh, the markets go down and will affect uh, business. However, uh, what if the business is going to be a necessity that will not affect any market conditions? That it's always going to stay up, it's going to grow. That will not have any effect. On no market. such business in the history of mankind. However, if you're saying in anticipation to the micro that I'm referring to, phenomenal. You should trip, this more sounds like what I tend to do, which is if you believe what you just said, you need to pour lighter fluid on it because that means your take home in the three or four or five years from now will be even greater. So if you believe that, first make sure that you don't believe it blindly and it's true and that it's historically true. Right? You can look at history to tell you what the future is gonna be. This can't be how you feel and make sure there's no nuance of your grandpappy did it this way and, but that you can't do it that way now because shit changes. But if that's true, if that's your situation, you need to spend all your time now and extract no money out of that business and pour every dollar back in. Live humbly as much as you can. Pour more money in because you will reap the benefits tremendously on the back end. Thank you. You're welcome. So we're gonna go to Dallas, um, and Dallas has a question for you, Gary. What is your advice to young brokers who are starting social media? This question is to the social media group, Gary. 
You know, look, I think, I think that a lot of young people think, you know, we've talked about the themes here. I think, and by the way, this is not just young people. I think that people that are young in the game of producing content and building brand awareness, whether you're 18 or 54 and got inspired today and you're gonna go and do it, um, are, are just not understanding how much work it really takes, how much analytical work, how much creative work, how much understanding the nuances of the project. I, I just don't understand why people aren't putting in time to the work, meaning how are you not spending 20, 30, 40 hours? If you think about your ambition, for example, let's go a different direction off the energy of this. If you're not taking advantage, whether it's post less equals more, and I believe in those theses, whatever it may be, if you're not taking advantage of something you see somebody else taking advantage of, how are you not allocating 40 hours in your whole life, this year, 40 collective hours to educate. The thought of like, I'm gonna let my 24 year old niece handle social media because that's over there is ludicrous. This is foundational infrastructure to the way we communicate as human beings. This is impacting elections and, and culture. There's a reason dictators take control of the media when they first have a coup. It's because they want to influence. We're talking about influence and communication. So my, my big thing here is, you know, realize how serious this is. Social media is not a nuance. Social media is the infrastructure, a slang term, I mind you, for the current state of the internet and how we as human beings communicate with each other. Hey guys, I have a, first of all, I just wanna say thank you guys for sharing so much knowledge. Uh, How important is it for you guys to continue reaching new markets and millennials and Gen Z in the future, like on social and increasing your brand equity, your brand awareness for the future on your social I have a Musical.ly account which targets eight to 11 year old girls. <laughs> and I produce business content for them because so many young girls are into entrepreneurship because of the state of the union of culture. And it's imperative because 10 years from now is gonna happen real fast, real fast. And uh, it's massively important because the sooner the better to create context and content. And so I'm, uh, I'm completely obsessed with it. It's also for your, for your own brand, correct? You wanna get your own face out there in front of other people? If you have something to say. Right. Like this notion that everybody has to be a brand is ludicrous. There's plenty of people making a trillion dollars a year that you've never heard of. I think, you know, we all have to act the way we have to act. You know, maybe Frederick, for example, in this period right now, got a lot of things that he wanted to say out and right now he doesn't and maybe he'll come up. And maybe Look, if you look at my history, even though I got in early, from 2011 to 2013, I have very little content because I was in the deeps of really building the infrastructure for Vayner and I had nothing to really say. I felt I said a lot in 9, 10, 11. Now that I feel like there's a lot of new stuff that I want to talk about, whether it's voice or, or AR or cryptocurrency. It's exciting for me to talk because as you can see, the high I get is the feedback from the impact, right? I'm gonna get mine financially. I think you build your personal brand or whatever you want to call it. I, I love how people hate on personal brand because of the word. It just means reputation. You know, just because we've given it a term that we then judge because it's a new term, it's silly. You mean reputation? I think you all agree with me that's important. Thank you.
my question this evening is for Gary. Gary, on a lot of your content, you talk about being a media company first and your trade second. So I'm taking your advice. I'm starting my own show. The first episode is going to go down on October 6th. And um, I have very limited funds for the show, so I understand you're a bit hesitant. But uh, Gary, will you be my first guest? <laughs> yes. By the way, quick side note, one of the great, most important lessons I've learned in business over the last five years is the power of saying no. <laughs> I, need to, I need to deploy that sooner than later here this afternoon. You say yes, so keep, keep questions coming. You're welcome. Gary at VaynerMedia.com. I have three words. What's your why? For me, it's paying back it's completely based on gratitude. Uh, there's so many things out of my control. I was born in a communist country as a purebred capitalist and was born during the era when the Soviet Union needed, was like losing economically and Israel and the US teamed up and traded wheat to the Soviet Union for some Jews. I was one of them. I'm super grateful for the fact that unfortunately for me, all my grandparents passed away before I got to know them. So I sit here today in front of you as a 41 year old man who's had very little death around the people he cares about. And I have the greatest fucking mom in the world and a dad that taught me, which saved me from all the bullshit that I naturally have. And so I'm just, my why is to pay back the circumstances that I was given. Like How's it going, everyone? First, I want to thank everyone. Uh, it's, it's been a great panelist discussion. Paul, uh, we're going to take failure to be our fuel. Better, um, I guess, um, Gary, uh, we'll make sure that uh, we'll all get punched in the face when we're done with this. <laughs> Better, I know Meeks wants to see you in your uh, speedo, so. <laughs> all right. That's including to what you said before, nonetheless. Alright, so the question is, so Ace, um, how do you do it? Like, uh, you, uh, you're an executive of Citizens Bank, you own restaurants, you, uh, you're investing in real estate. How do you manage and make that time to make sure you get out there and do what you do? So you guys have, so you have three gentlemen to my left here, you're asking. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you for that question. But. Um, for me, it's really about my parents sitting there right there. Um, I know it's one of the you know, um, they don't three jobs each, and for me, it's just about really just focusing on my trait and knowing my strengths and weaknesses, and really just empowering other people and surrounding myself with really good people, right? So when you have a, a trait that you, that you work on day in and day out, I mean, I've been doing finance for 15 years. So Gary, I have a tough question for you, but a really important question. Sure. Um, and I just want you to give a slight bit of context. Sure. So I'm based in Marina Del Rey, but also spent half time in New York, and I was in Marina Del Rey, and um, I serve a community of entrepreneurs who are on the front lines of social change every single day. So I'm a social entrepreneurial training company, um, and we work with folks who are on the front lines of immigration, sexual assault, yes. youth, uh, juvenile justice, you name it. Um, and you came into my mind, and literally, Spirit said, go to the laptop, look up where he's speaking. I got on a plane, literally took a red eye to be here this morning, so that I could be here to ask you this question in this moment, which is, would you be willing 
to spend time with me to serve this community of entrepreneurs. And I don't care, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, but we are coming together in October in a few weeks here in New York. And like I said, these are people who are on the front lines doing the hard work and they could use you. Would you be willing? No. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. Yes! Come and get it. You got it. Oh my god, I'm super excited. Uh, I'm sorry, everyone, because my question isn't related to this event, but I have a question to Gary. Hi, Gary, my name is Stefania. I'm from Ukraine. I'm sure you know where it is. I sure do. Uh, so I'm 20 years old, and I'm an immigrant. And I came here a year ago. And the first thing that I did, I went to... I went to college, okay. and right now I'm in college. But I don't know what should I do with my life, what is my pa uh, passion, and I want to ask you how to understand what is your passion in your life, in this life. So, how do you find it? Yeah. So, the, the, the first book I wrote that led to a lot of the things that happened for me was Crush It. It talked about personal brand, how to find your passion. And this question's been asked so many times of me. The answer is I don't know, right? I'm not gonna, I don't really know how to figure that out. What I do know after 10 years of like watching people, giving advice, trying to figure it out, the best piece of advice I could give you at 22 or to somebody who's sitting in the audience right now who's 68 and super successful is never stop trying shit, right? So like the amount of people that think they hate oysters but have never had one fascinates the fuck out of me. So what you need to do while you're here and what everybody needs to do is keep trying stuff. Creative energy manifests in a lot of our businesses which means maybe we are great at painting, maybe we can sing, maybe we have, you know, maybe we have great hand-eye coordination and are the third best dart player in the world but by never playing darts, the number one thing you have to do is say yes to everything and force yourself out of your comfort zone to try things so that you know it's a no instead of wondering and having regret. You'll find your passion by actually tasting it. You have no shot of finding it if you aren't there sampling. Okay, uh... My question for all four of you is that if you had a restart right now, everything was completely taken away, your businesses were at dead zero, had to start from complete scratch, what would be the first, you know, two or three things that you would do right now to get yourself back on track? This is not a joke, I apologize, but talking about where the market's going, I fundamentally believe that winners and winning organizations and people are gonna charge people to work for them in the next generations once people realize that information is a commodity and the axis and the nuances are the value prop. It sounds ludicrous today, but if this was 1967 and I told you that people were gonna pay $3 for a bottle of water, which is free, you'd laugh me out of the room town. This, think about, both of us are saying this passionately. It is way more valuable in the exchange of the nuance and the learnings and the access that is provided by winners than it is what you're getting paid. It's a very interesting time of where I think that's going. I just wanna know, like, when, when we don't have a digital footprint in the market, and it's a totally off different market than what everybody else is here, we do alternative financing to small businesses, what is the best way to start with content or the digital marketing, and what's the best KPI to look at when you're doing this digital marketing? 
So tell me your business. I do alternative financing for small businesses. Yeah, I think high interest. Yes, high interest. High interest loan. My my average back was a a 38. I I think I made the joke that I made to the whole audience because that was my piece of advice. I think that a lot of people in your business try to hide because they know that people's reactions on 38% interest is ridiculous and then you come up with fun terms like alternative funding. I think Frederick said one of the single most important things which is when you try to be everything to everybody, you're nobody to nobody, right? You're not for everybody. 38% interest isn't for people that have good credit. 38% interest is people that have a good business that have that have a short-term pain point but had something happen in their lives or a bankruptcy in the past for some reason and so they understand I think you should go all in and own what you actually do for a living with your content instead of dancing around with it. Everybody in your market's dancing. You're welcome. So guys, can you get one round of applause for these guys? Podcast listeners, I really appreciate you giving me your ear. I respect it. I appreciate it. You want to one-star this shit? Cool. But if you want to five-star it, even better.